Good morning. Hello, Stu. How are you? Wonderful, Glenn, and yourself. Oh, my gosh. I've got a great show uh, lined up. We're going to talk about Bernie Sanders and communism in the first hour. Second hour, we're going to talk about uh, a new economic theory, which spells collapse. And third hour, let's do heroin. I mean, all coming up. You're really off this program. No. We'll get you'll hear Uh, the Amazon. The Amazon Capital One data breach has just hit. 106 million of us had our names, home addresses, and banking information exposed. Uh, Forget credit card theft. This is much, much bigger. You shouldn't forget it, but you do need to pay attention to uh, home title lock. They're the only ones that can lock down your title and mortgage online. This is an epidemic, according to uh, New York uh, investigators, an epidemic. Only Home Title Lock can help you. They'll give you 60 days free protection. Just check it out now, HomeTitleLock.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Welcome to it, America. It is it is Wednesday. It's, it is Wednesday, isn't it? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. It's Wednesday. Socialist Bernie Sanders, wanting, one of the leading presidential candidates yesterday, tried to uh, tried to praise communist China, which is in and of itself an interesting thing to do. But he ended up praising capitalism. Capitalism, communism, where are we headed? That and the Soviet Union's constitution. Tell me where we're headed. All that coming up in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Somewhere in America, within the sound of my voice, there is a man standing at a bench or a table. My father used to call it a bench kneading dough with work-roughed hands. Every day for 20 years, he got up before the sun, dusting off the horizon. He drove across town, and he got there and started making bread and donuts before anybody else was awake. He's on his feet all day, working in an almost forgotten art just because it makes other people happy, and it makes him happy. It is truly an art to this man. That was my dad. And there are people just like this all over the country. But he stands in comfort as he sprinkles flowers over the flower over the milestones of his frontier because he stands in a pair of Tacova's boots. They were made for people like him, people of character, people with dreams, people on the edge of their frontier, just walking forward every day. Honest, hardworking people who appreciate comfort and luxury in the same product. And that product reminds them of who they are and where they're going. Tacova's boots are made from the most exotic leathers available, and they are handcrafted by world-class bootmakers. You know, it takes 200 steps to make a pair of Tacova's boots, and yet their boots cost about half of what a boot of similar quality would cost. Check out not only their selection of boots, but also the other fine leather and clothing products they make. It's great. Tecovis, T-O, 
uh, sorry, T-E-C-O-V-A-S, tecovas.com slash Beck. That's tecovas.com slash Beck. Tecovas, Western wear for your frontier. Now, now you tell me what's wrong. Here's Bernie Sanders, audio of Bernie Sanders yesterday trying to praise communist China. But what we have to say about China, in fairness to China and its leadership, is if I'm not mistaken, they have made more progress in addressing extreme poverty than any country in the history of civilization. Okay. Bernie, um, I think you... <laughs> I, I do not think those words mean what you think it means. What he didn't talk about was that it is the free market principle that China's started to enact that they got from us. It wasn't communism. Never before in history have so many people escaped poverty in such a short time in the past decades in China. Okay. According to the official World Bank figures, the percentage of extremely poor people in China in 1981 was 88.3%. By 2015, only 0.7% of the Chinese population was living in extreme poverty. Now, wait a minute. Poor people in China fell from 878 million people to less than 10 million people since 1981. Now, what happened? What happened? Well, under Mao, the state had, you know, an omnipotent grip over China's economy. What happened over the last few decades can be summed up in a couple of sentences. China embraced the tenets of a free market economic system. It introduced private ownership, gradually reduced the influence of the once all-powerful state over the Chinese econ- economy. Now, they're st- they're still communists and is still state-controlled, much of it. But you also have these independent companies, these companies that are not collapsing. These companies that are run by the state are collapsing, as we pointed out earlier this week. China had to print $50 trillion. $50 trillion. Half of that went right to these state-owned companies that are dying. The state still plays a major role, but it is, it's free market capitalism after the death of Mao and the death of communism. You know, let me give you this story, Bernie. Here's, here's another story for you. Tell me if this sounds like communism or a celebration of capitalism. Quoting the story, it was no surprise that the crowds at China's first Costco location would be big. But the company wasn't prepared for this. The photos of the opening uh, of the Shanghai location of Costco painted a clear picture of the reports coming out of China, which said that a deluge of shoppers clogged up parts of the store and built up traffic on roads right outside of Costco, resulting in a three-hour wait for a parking space. 
shoppers crowded the meat department, which included uh, the Costco rotisserie chicken and the food court. Elbows and arms were thrown in every direction as customers attempted to pick up various items. The sheer amount of people forced the the, uh, store to shut down hours early. And a text message to members reportedly read, in part, to provide you with better shopping experience, Costco will suspend business in the afternoon. Please don't come. Now, why were they there? Well, the deep discounts uh, that a, a Costco membership gives you. This is something spectacular in China. The usual items offered to first-time customers at the Shanghai location had discounts also on other luxury items. The South China Morning Post reported that you could get Prada tote bags and MCM leather backpacks. There is also reportedly an Hermes super popular Birkin bag available. We don't know the prices of it. Even if you did manage to get a big-ticket item or even something smaller on a smaller scale, such as food, checkout was a nightmare. If you managed to wait the three-hour wait to get a parking space, when you got the parking space, you were warned that it could take two hours just to check out. All in all, Costco managed to stay open until 1.40 p.m., five hours after it first opened. Now, it's a Costco. We have them everywhere. They're great, but are you waiting five hours to buy something at Costco? No, no. So is it communism, Bernie, that has everybody excited and is lifting people out of poverty? And and if it's communism, how come it didn't work under Mao? What changed? Oh, these people are crazy. Truly, truly crazy. You know, there, there are times, there are a few days that I can recall in a in a in every broadcaster's life there's a few days where you're like wow really i mean it things happen that are so crazy you can't believe you have to tell the american people about them let me give you one this week while listening to barack obama talk about the dangers of a rising ocean Due to climate change, you're listening to maybe his clips or you're lucky enough to be able to get online and listen to his speech. While he's giving that speech, it's announced that he bought a $14 million beachfront home on Martha's Vineyard. Now, I don't know if you have an awful lot of credibility if you are giving a speech about how all of our beaches are going to go away and there's flooding coming and all of the islands will be gone, and that day you're buying a $14 million beachfront home. That's one of those days that you're like, I can't believe I'm, I can't believe I have to say this. I can't believe there are some people out there who are like, whoa, no, wait a minute. 
How about this one? A day in the life of a broadcaster where you have to say, hey, um, by the way, um, I'm just going to let you know that, yeah, Hillary Clinton kept a private email server with classified government documents in a closet in her bathroom for, for more than five years. She wipes all the hard drives while under investigation. And this week, it also looks like the FBI knew about this huge stack of really, really vital documents, and they didn't look through any of them. That's when you look back and you're like, wow. Bernie Sanders praising China, talking about how they're lifting people out of, poor, uh, uh, out of poverty while they are building concentration camps. Really, dude? Are you serious? Today is truly one of those days. This week, we've been focused on key economic issues. Hour two all week, we've been explaining what is happening, what is coming, using common language, not talking, trying not to talk over people's heads, trying to make everything understandable because no one on TV will. Monday, we looked at the economic system, the situation in which we find ourselves the long daisy chain of crazy progressive ideas that have been going on for a 100 years. Who is wrecking the economy? Well, the answer was all of us. We looked at the trade war with China. We reviewed the fact that China has created more than $50 trillion in off-balance sheet currency, using more than half of that to buy up U.S. and Western nation equities. In other words, They've taken about $15 trillion and put it into our stock market. You want to talk about a, a death spiral? Yesterday, we looked, took a deep dive in recessions. We told you how government intervention to prevent or reverse uh, recessions creates distortions in the economy. Today, wow, we're going to take a look at a leading proposal for financial policies that is happening right now in Washington. And when you hear it, it's one of those days for a broadcaster where I can't believe I actually have to explain to the nation why just unlimited printing of money with nothing to back it up is a bad idea. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, The Squad, Bob Francis O'Rourke, all of them, are now saying we can do that, and they're calling it a modern monetary theory. It's not a theory. And I'll explain at the top of hour number two, the next hour on this broadcast. You don't want to miss it. But I want to. I want to go to. Um, I want to go to a story where you are seeing them. This one from the Washington Post today, where you are seeing these candidates now say we can print unlimited numbers of cash because we want to promise everybody certain things. And as I was reading this story in the Washington Post today, I thought, hmm, I've seen someplace else that that guaranteed those other things. And I looked at one of the producers and I said, could you print the Soviet Constitution out for me? Because I think that's where it was. Wait until I read the Soviet Constitution to you or parts of it. Even if you've read it in the past, you won't believe how close the Democrats are to quoting 
the Soviet Constitution. That's how far we've come. That coming up in just a second. Stand by. First, let me tell you about uh, LifeLock. Say a uh, a red guy with horns. You know, he's got horns on his head. And, and he shows up at your door. And he offers you a suitcase full of cash and a Corvette that he just parked in your driveway. I mean, it's one of the new ones. And he says, it's free. Then he hands you a, a thick sheaf of paper. And on the front, it says, terms and conditions do apply. All you have to do is check the box. I agree. Are you going to read that first, or are you just going to go, yeah, I agree? Well, that's every transaction we have online, and they've made it impossible for us to read. So you just click on I agree. You're making a deal with the devil. The information that you hold sacred, that you hold dear, the information that you have, you're signing all of it away. The good news is there's LifeLock. Now, LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats. It keeps you informed if and when someone out there is trying to get a hold of or sell your information online. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft, monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can see the threats you might miss on your own. So join now and get an extra 10% off the first year by using promo code BECK. That's 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com and use the promo code BECK for an extra 10% off. It's LifeLock.com. We pause for 10 seconds. Station ID. All right, I, I want to talk to you. Let me start with Bernie Sanders again. Now, this is a story from the Washington Post. Washington Post, 2020 Democrats have embraced seemingly every big left-wing economic idea except this one. I'm going to explain. Bernie Sanders says every American should be concerned about the rising federal deficit. Do you think he means that? Because I don't. I don't think he means that at all. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has detailed how she would raise enough new to tax revenue to pay for her proposals for universal child care and free college for everyone. Do you think she cares about the deficit more than Bernie Sanders, uh, but not enough to stop her from these crazy proposals? Long-shot candidate Andrew Yang, who perhaps is best known uh, for the memes around his candidacy, has called for a broad-based consumption tax to finance his signature issue of universal basic income. In a Democratic presidential primary, says the Washington Post, where candidates have championed many ideas once relegated to the far left of American politics, a federal jobs guarantee, forgiveness of student debt, reparations for the descendants of slaves there is one left-wing economic position that no one has espoused and that is the idea of modern monetary theory okay that's not true washington post it argues that the u.s government can never go bankrupt and therefore does not need to raise tax revenue to fund new spending initiatives MMT supporters say it's a mistake to push for lower deficits 
because that risks contracting spending and as a result, slowing economic growth. So what they want to do is they, they, they want to make sure that you have, um, you never have a recession. You never have a problem with anything um, like losing your job because the government will just keep things going. Now, I want to go through some of their proposals, and next hour I'm going to show you where they are quoting uh, the modern monetary theory. So the Washington Post doesn't know its ass from its elbow on this, because I can find the quote in one Google search. Google hasn't trapped us out of that information yet. So they are proposing this, but I want to show you what they're proposing it for and then I, I, I think we should compare it to the Soviet Union. Now, let me just give you a, a universal truth. Okay, it's, it's not a theory, it's truth. We've talked about Kondrakiev. I, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He was, uh, he was Stalin's uh, economic advisor. And Stalin said... Hey, which is better, capitalism or communism? Now, I know what to say to Stalin. Oh, communism, sir. He thought Stalin was looking for an honest answer. So he goes back, he takes several months, and he comes up with what's called now the Kondrakiev wave, which is there is a spring where green shoots, new ideas sprout up, and then they start to create this great economy, and then we get into summer where everybody thinks it can never end, and then fall comes, and everybody starts saying, wait, we gotta bail everybody out. He said, but capitalism doesn't. The Soviet Union bails everybody out, and so they let the failures fester, and eventually it sucks everything down where you just have to realize fall and winter are part of the cycle, which will lead to spring. All that, all that stuff, hibernating or dying, actually helps the soil. By the way, he was shot in the head. Um, all right, let me, uh, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. And if you're at home, you probably have blinds on your windows. And why do you have them? Well, you can have them, you know, to keep the heat in or keep the, the uh, heat out, whichever. But really, privacy is the reason why we have, you know, curtains. We don't want to be on display like we're at some store. It's the same on the Internet. We don't want to be watched. And if you don't, you're you're kind of a freaky dude. If you don't mind people watching everything you do online, you got a problem. The Internet some companies and most companies track you and use that information to send you ads and invade our online experience. Did you know that Google had startup money from the CIA? <clears throat> anyway, what you need is Norton Secure VPN. Norton Secure VPN. It's a virtual private network keeping prying eyes uh, from looking into your Wi-Fi connections. Do it now. Check it out at Norton.com slash VPN. Go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Save 10 bucks off your Blaze TV subscription. Go there now. 
You know, one of the things in life that is absolutely worth its weight in gold is peace of mind. You spend a lot of your time away from your home, between your job and everything else you do on a regular basis. You're actually home very little, especially during the week. Well, that's when robbers hit you. It's not at night, usually during the day when you're gone. Simply Safe's home monitoring system is exactly what you need. It is state of the art and best in the business with video verification technology, which makes response times three and a half times faster. There's no contract or hidden fees. There's no no fine print, and they can provide you with amazing around-the-clock home monitoring both inside and out for $15 a month. Imagine how much better you'd feel knowing that there was one less major thing in your life that you have to worry about all the time. Simply Safe. It's the way to go. Simply Safe has a huge deal going on now. It's simplysafeglen.com. If you go there, you'll get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a $100 value. Get your free HD security camera now at simplysafeglen.com. That's S M I P L I safebeck.com. Simplysafebeck Welcome to the program here. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number. Um, Thank you. Pat Gray has joined us here in studio, Mm -hmm. uh, and we've had some Mm -hmm. questions that we've been percolating here since the beginning of the program. You've been in the middle of a very serious monologue. I didn't think it was necessarily the right time to ask them, but I still yeah. in the middle of it. I, well, I just feel uh, like the yeah. audience is now, especially the audience on Blaze TV, BlazeTV.com promo code. Mm-hmm. The audience watching. on Blaze TV. It, I know where you're going, and it uh, they are not confused. So, is it? But are you ahead. wearing two shirts with a hole in it, or is there uh, a giant towel on your shoulder? <laughs> It uh, is. It's two shirts and a towel, right? Two shirts That's and what a it is. towel. Is it a? No, I'm glad both of you own guns. I'm glad both of you own guns. We, we yeah, do. We do. Oh, yeah. Did you, but, no, and I'm glad. What does that have to do with your shirt? Right. The, the two uh, shirts and a this towel. This is a shooting shirt. Oh, a this shooting is a shooting shirt. shirt. Oh, oh, you yes. can't shoot guns in a, in a normal shirt. No, no, I, that's not. That's I've not got possible. an extensive shooting shirt closet. Yes, that, so I, <laughs> that I choose you too? from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We oh, put yeah. a whole, whole yeah. new wing on the house just to store <laughs> Did my you shooting, for shooting shirts? shirts. Yes, yeah, and that's uh, yeah. I've got the writing pants in another wing though. Did you win a wrestling match with a bunch of? Of construction cones <laughs> is that is that what happened with this particular no shirt? i had an oompa loompa in a headlock <laughs> i mean uh, i don't think i've ever it's great it's a good look though it is i it did think it's well on tv up, no it's good i like it well, i mean i, I you I'll, can see you can see me a million miles away and you that's can. i guess the point of that the shooting true. shirt is that you're very visible i would assume very good yeah, yeah. very um, good right. yeah. something that like yeah. dick cheney's friends should possibly have been are you gonna be wearing. shooting during the show they, or <laughs> no but I, I might be i might be fortunately but i think I we're out of range leave this show and uh go shooting yes for example i really like <sighs> Pajamas, but like I'm not wearing them on national television, uh, you know. Oh, I, shut up. Despite the Could fact that I might be sleeping later in the day, Could I we decided get... to wear. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird decision making process. I guess maybe I'm out of the norm. I, I here. guess so. I, okay. I guess so. We, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. What were you saying about modern monetary theory? By the way, <laughs> going to get back into that? Not or? much. No. Not much. <laughs> Here's where I would, uh, here's where I do want to go, you pigs. Uh, here's here's what I do want to talk about. So, mm-hmm. 
if we've been looking at the candidates uh, that are running for the Democrat, the Democratic position, have you noticed how how far we've come to actual communism? They are now talking mm-hmm. about and openly and unashamedly. Bernie Sanders just this week came out or last week came out with his global warming thing, which takes over industries. Uh, it just unlimited printing of, of cash, unlimited taxation, uh, taking away private property. I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh, AOC and the New Green Deal in that it talks about this is the transition from a free market system. So they're they're all talking about this, and I know that I was I was reading something from um, I think Elizabeth Warren this morning, and I thought, gosh, I've seen this someplace before, and so I printed it up the uh, Constitution of the Union of so- Soviet Socialist Republics. Now, let me just stop me if you recognize anything. The Union of Socialist uh, Republics is a socialist state of workers and peasants, the Soviets of working people's deputies, which grew and attained strength as a result of the overthrowing of the landlords and the capitalist to achieve the dictatorship of the people. All power belongs to the working people of a town and a country, as represented by the Soviets of working people's deputies. The socialist system of economy and uh, socialist ownership of means and instruments of production firmly established as a result of the abolition of capitalist system in the economy. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. The Soviet property in the U.S. exists either in the form of state property, possession of the whole people, or in the form of cooperatives and collective farm property. Now... Alongside the Soviet system uh, of economy, uh, which is the predominant form of the economy in the U.S., the law does permit small private companies of individual peasants and handcraftsmen based on their personal labor and precluding the exploitation of the labor of others. The rights of citizens to personal ownership of their incomes from their work, their savings, their dwellings, you know, the, the dwelling houses, and uh, the household economy, their household furniture, utensils, articles of personal use and convenience, as well the ri- as the right of inheritance of personal property, is protected by law. Huh. Economic life of the USSR is uh, determined and directed by the state national economic plan. Remember, they had a plan for everything, with the aim of increasing public wealth. Pat. Did their economic plan, their national e- economic plan, increase public wealth? <laughs> it, well, in that everybody's wealth pretty much decreased equally. Um, I, th- I think right. yes, yes. Did when at the end of the Soviet Union had it steadily improved the material conditions of the working people? Mm. Because that's what was in the Constitution. That's what they had to do. It talks huh. about all of the things that now belong to the people, um, and it pretty much covers absolutely everything. But then there's this part in the uh, former Soviet Union Constitution, the fundamental rights and duties of citizens. Now, who can explain 
how people were treated in communist Russia. Either one of you. Are you still focused on the shirt? (laughs) (laughs) How people were treated? How how were people treated? What was life like in the former Soviet Union? They were oppressed. They were hungry. I don't know about that. Couldn't go anywhere. Hmm, that's a... Um, They were told what jobs they had to take. to move around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Told what kind of... Jobs they could have, but they were and what, free. What sports they could get into, but yeah, they were oh freedom, oh, freedom. Oh, you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. So here's Article One Eighteen of the Soviet Constitution: Citizens of the USSR have the right to work. It is a guaranteed right of employment and payment for their work in accordance with its quantity and quality. That sounds so, familiar. Sound familiar at all? Mm-hmm. You have yep. a right to work. Um, uh, the citizen of the USSR has a right to rest and leisure. The citizens of the USSR have a right to maintenance in old age, also in the case of sickness or the loss of capacity. F- the USSR citizens have free medical service for all working people. Oh, that's And great. the provision of a wide network of health resorts mm. for the use of the working people. Again, familiar. Uh, the s- yeah, citizens of the USSR have a right to education. Mm. This right is ensured by universal uh, elementary education, uh, by education, including higher education, being free of charge. Wow. wow. Women in the USSR accorded uh, equal rights with men. <laughs> the equality of rights of all citizens in the USSR. And that happened, don't you think? Oh, Everybody yeah. was equal. Oh, yeah. 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 Like oh. you could... You could be gay or whatever, and it's not a... I mean, it's still not a problem in Russia, is it? <laughs> No. Now, in order to ensure citizens' freedom of conscience, the church in the USSR is separated from the state and the school from the church. Hmm. So they have in their constitution... A separation of church and state. Just like us. Because that's right in our constitution, no. too. Yeah, no, Except it's not there. directly in no. there. No. Yeah. Freedom of religious worship and freedom of anti-religious propaganda is recognized for all citizens. Hmm. Article 125. In conformity with the interests of the working people and in order to strengthen the Soviet system, the citizens of the USSR are guaranteed by law. One, freedom of speech. Mm. B, or two, uh, freedom of the press. Three, freedom of assembly. The freedom to hold mass meetings. Uh, The freedom to have a street procession or demonstration. The uh, freedom for uh, communications. Wow, this, I mean, that sounds familiar too, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except, did they have any of those things? None of those things existed in in the former Soviet Union, which is fascinating. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. Because of Article One Twenty Six that says, you know, but if it's anything that goes against what the people want, and remember, it's the it's the deputies that decide what the people want. If it goes against the people, what the people want, and also it goes against the state then you're deemed um, uh, a radical and you will be dealt with. Uh, citizens of the USSR 
are are guaranteed uh, the the sacredness of the person, the sacredness of the home, and privacy of correspondence is protected. It is the duty of every citizen to abide by the Constitution of the uh, Union of Soviet Republics, to observe the law, to maintain labor discipline, to honestly perform public duties and respect the socialist intercourse. It is also the duty of every citizen of the USSR to safeguard and strengthen uh, public socialist property as sacred. Uh, it, It is the source of wealth and might of the country. Any persons committing offenses against the public or socialist property are enemies of the people. Isn't it amazing what happens when the Constitution is a document of positive liberties rather than negative liberties. What do you mean, Pat? I don't know what that means. Well, what that what that what I mean by that is that yeah. our Constitution is a document of what the government can't do to you. Their Constitution was what it was. It was a document of what the government is going to do for you, with the exception of unless we don't like it. <laughs> right, or you're not the right person, right. or you're in the wrong group, or whatever. Yeah, uh, whatever it is. Plus, you wind up with the word intercourse in your con- in your constitution, which is just weird, <laughs> right? Like that—that's a totally separate issue. But I well, think it's important. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm glad from the guy who brought mm-hmm. us the shirt uh, you <laughs> <Yes>. know, news <laughs> that you're also bringing us the. Uh, the intercourse part. You shouldn't put the word intercourse in your constitution. No. You should just know better than that. It's wrong. Right? It's wrong. I mean, let's get him a thesaurus. I mean, obviously, it was the free market system that brought us the thesaurus. Uh, I just find it, uh, I find it incredible how far we've come and how fast we've come to reflecting the, to having people running for president who are reflecting the exact principles laid out in the Soviet Constitution. Sometimes word which are for 180 word. degrees. Yeah, some of them word for word. 180 degrees in the opposite direction of America and a free market. All right, back in just a second. Despite what the movies say... We're probably not going to wind up living in an apocalyptic uh, landscape dotted by roving zombies and warlords in in Land Rovers. I mean, first of all, you can't bring that Land Rover into the United States. It's it's not fuel efficient, and the emission standards are totally different. And even zombie warlords will abide by that law. Uh, I'm you know I don't think I'm going to have to trade stew for food. I mean, I can just change the. One letter, S-T-U to S-T-E-W, and I think we're all going to be fine. We're headed into National Preparedness Month, which, as the name suggests, is a time to make plans for disasters. You know, the real ones. You've done this. I've done this by starting and building a food storage plan with my Patriot Supply. Now, they totally revolutionized the um, preparedness industry. They have industry-leading line of emergency food. It is not like MREs. This is really good food. They have water filtration products that you might need at uh, some point. And this week, save $100 on a four-week emergency food package when you go to my special website called preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. These four-week kits include breakfast, lunch, dinner, and they'll last up to 25 years in storage. 
They're shipped free discreetly to your door. Don't wait. Don't wait until everyone can see the writing on the wall because then it's too late. Give yourself a peace of mind and and save $100 at preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. Do it now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. That's right. Uh, Welcome to the program. Today's a big day if you're a candidate that wants to get into the debates. Uh, Looks like it's going to be only one night, not two, because they're cutting a lot of people out of it. What are the standards and who's qualifying, Stu? You need 130,000 individual donors, and you need four qualifying polls that show you at 2% or higher. Ten candidates have qualified for that already. There's really only one who's on the fence as of today, which was Tom Steyer. Uh, Steyer had a, yeah. And the only reason he had, I mean, he's spending a fortune in early States because the early state polls count here. However, no one's releasing any early state polls. So he's qualified in all the early state polls that have been released, but not enough of them have been released for him to qualify. So there was two national Mm. polls that came out today. A couple interesting things. One Steyer did not hit 2% in either one of them. Gabbard, who's been completely screwed here by the democratic party, uh, and she has a legitimate argument as to, you know, they just decided to count the polls she didn't get to 2% in and not count the polls that she did get to 2% in. Um, she wow. is looks like she's not going to make it either. Barring a last-minute flurry of polls, it has to be released today. Um, the other interesting thing is, if you remember this Monmouth poll that came out earlier this week, showed a three-way tie, basically, with Warren, Sanders, and Biden. The two national and polls... And that's a credible poll. Yeah, very good poll. However, it's one poll... And the two polls that came out today, both also credible polls, have uh, Biden up by 13 and 18. So it does not seem like we're at a three-way tie right now. You're listening to Glenn Beck. First, they proposed universal free health click care, including free unlimited abortions, then free college, then open borders. Then universal basic income. Then the Green New Deal. Free phones, free internet, free cars, free housing. Guaranteed jobs is what we're up to now. Collectively, over $70 trillion in brand new government spending over the the next 10 years. $70 trillion. Now, how are we going to pay for that? Well, don't worry. The magic money fairy has arrived. It's called Modern Monetary Theory. Part three in our series this week on what's the economy doing? What is Washington doing? What are we headed for in one minute? This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I was thinking about my, thinking about my dad and... My dad had a bad childhood growing up, and um, somewhere in the sound of my voice, there's a there's somebody just like that. And everybody in my family for like the past five generations has been a baker. I'm just fat. Uh, they baked, and my dad worked hard, and he didn't want to be like his dad. My 
My grandpa was uh, on my dad's side was uh, was a baker who made great breads, and that was his art. My dad was into cake decorating and and pastries and all the things that now make me fat. But that was his dream. That was his frontier. My dad wanted to be the best that he could be. He didn't need to be the best in the world, just the best that he could be. And he took such pride in all of his baked goods. And he was on his feet all day long, working in this, I think, almost forgotten art now, where you had to do it by hand, and it came from within. My dad would come home, he'd have such a bad back from carrying those sacks of flour, and and his feet always hurt. I wish you would have tried a pair of Tecovis boots. Because if you're on the on your feet all the time, like I, I work the studios, all the studio floors are concrete. And if you're on your feet all day on concrete, you know how much your feet hurt when you get home. You don't have that problem. All you have to do is wear a pair of Tecovis. They're comfortable. They fit perfectly. They're for honest, hardworking people who appreciate comfort and luxury in the same product. Tacovis boots, they're made with the most exotic leathers available. They're handcrafted by world-class bootmakers. You know, it takes 200 steps to make a pair of Tacovis boots, and yet their boots cost about half of what a similar boot of quality would cost. So check out Tacovis. Try them out. Now, you're going to order them online. They make it really easy to measure and get the right fit, and you can return them. Customers always write with Tacovis. Find your pair now. Tecovis.com slash Beck. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. Tecovis.com slash Beck. Tecovis, Western wear for your frontier. This week we've been talking about economics and what is happening in our country. On a Monday, we, we looked at our economic system and situation uh, and and examine the long daisy chain of just stupid policy decisions that go against logic, dating over 100 years, both Republicans and Democrats. Then the next day, the trade war with China. China has created more than $50 trillion, just printed $50 trillion. So you know all the money in the world from every country, all the currency just piled up, is 60 trillion china just printed 50 we talked to you about the importance of america and how the rest of the world is truly depending on us we looked at recessions yesterday today i want to talk to you about how how politicians are now saying we're going to pay for everything because they're proposing all kinds of stuff Free universal health care, got it. Free unlimited abortions, got it. Free college, got it. Guaranteed jobs for all. The new Green Deal, free phones, free Internet, free cars, free housing, everything. $70 trillion in brand new government spending over the next 10 years. Brand new. So that's that's not counting all the spending we're doing on top. Now... How are we going to pay for it? 
Well, there's this new theory, and it's wonderful because it's very modern. And you know it's modern when it uses the word modern. The modern monetary theory, it's MMT. Here's what it says. Governments never need to worry about taxes. They never need to worry about budgets, and they never need to worry about deficits because governments can print as much money as it ever needs to spend to ensure full employment, zero budget shortfalls, unlimited spending capacity against any need, want, or desire. If the government says, you know what, we should have that, they can print the money. Now, does this sound logical to you in any way, shape, or form? You need to know about MMT because it represents the newest, brightest thinking among the liberal intellectual elites and academics. It was first proposed by an economic uh, guru, Warren Mosler, in the mid-1990s. It is now fully embraced by the left. And you have some candidates talking about it on, um, uh, on the campaign trail. But one of the leading guys who is um, uh, an economist at Bard College said, quote, it's not easy to move people overnight. It's very difficult to communicate these ideas in a way people can understand. But what's more important is that the conversation has profoundly shifted. We're now talking about big, bold policies that everyone used to say were pie in the sky. Does that sound like Elizabeth Warren? We're talking about something big and bold. And what they're talking about is abandoning everything the world has learned about economics and trying this new theory. Now, you know what's crazy about this new theory? Is why hasn't anyone ever thought of it before? I mean, it seems so simple. If the government wants to buy something, don't raise taxes, just print more money. Doesn't that seem great? This theory of finance is so new. As we speak, MMT is being modeled and taught at Harvard, Boston College, USC, and MIT. Traditional models of government financing uh, place the, the power of the purse in the hands of the people because the government has to tax. And it taxes to get its income, so it takes your income, and you have the control knob on government spending because you... You can vote them out of office. You can say, no, we're not doing this. Now, I'd like to point out that we haven't been very good at regulating, which is probably why they're now saying we can spend anything. MMT reframes the, reframes the way in which governments participate in economies. It completely divorces government budgets and spending from the private economy. So rather than taxing or borrowing from the population for its income, the government has an unlimited budget, and it can spend that unlimited budget in its own discretion by just printing new money any time government leaders determine there's a new need for spending. And there you have it, MMT, completely new, a modern way for governments to have 
Unlimited budget so we can have whatever we want and never pay for it. Oh, man, am I reminded of the Kipling poem, Gods of the Copybook Headings, and we had plenty of money, but nothing our money could buy. I, I find this astounding in its stupidity. So let's look at modern monetary theory, because it is riddled with logical fallacies, and it completely fails even just a, just a quick glance and examination. So let's start here. There's nothing modern about modern monetary theory. Using the word modern to describe it simply resurrects and masks the classic con. How to give a government spending power outside of the will of the people. It's done by generating accounting units. Now, this is really important. What is an accounting unit? An accounting unit is money, currency, currency. You give that accounting unit value by legal declaration. It's worth something. That's fiat. And this is, it can only really be maintained by a monopoly through the use of force. There are literally dozens of historical examples of governments using their self-granted authority to print fiat currency to pay their bills. For example, I want you to know all of these have met with financial disaster, but here are a few of the most noteworthy. The very first paper fiat currency in the world was created by the Tang Dynasty in China. It was during the 17th century AD. Merchants were order, under, uh, ordered under penalty of death that they had to accept this new modern currency in trade for goods and services. By 1354, the currency had reached a state of hyperinflation, such as Marco Polo was paid for a single suit of armor from a local lord with 18 chests filled with valueless paper Chinese currency. In the 18th century, France, the Duke of Orleans and Scottish economist John Law founded the um, founded the Bank de General, and they issued paper currency to pay off more than three billion dollars in government death uh, debt after the death of uh, Louis the Fourteenth. Within five years, inflation had reached twenty three percent per month, and then fifty five percent per month. Eventually, the hyperinflation had bankrupted the entire country, and it led to the French Revolution. But don't worry about that. Following World War I, Weimar Germany faced billions in war reparation payments while simultaneously trying to rebuild its own infrastructure. They didn't have the money. Facing the same default versus inflate dilemma, they thought, you know what? We can issue fiat currency. Germany chose to just print paper currency to repay its debts. The result was 1 million percent hyperinflation. The government was uh, was printing $5 trillion mark notes within two years. A dozen eggs in Germany cost 800 billion marks. 
The resulting economic crash and depression led to the success of the National Socialist Party, because once you have a crash, you have the opportunity to go to socialism, because socialism promises to pay for everything. And in that socialist party was a crazy man called Adolf Hitler. The other examples, just to state a few, the Confederate States of America, World War II France, Soviet Russia, Eva Perón's Argentina, communist Vietnam, modern-day Greece, Zimbabwe, Venezuela. Do we need to go on? Literally every time the printing press has been used as a means for government to pay for expenses, the result has been hyperinflation and eventually a currency default and total financial collapse. There are zero, let me count them again, zero Zero historic examples of governments using fiat currency for deficit financing where the fiat currency doesn't end up valued again at zero. More in just a second. You know, when the pioneers settled this country they had to cross west uneven swaths of land and they were doing it in a conestoga wagon um and i and and we have a conestoga wagon we have one sitting in uh, our hallway uh in the studio our main atrium and it's from the 1800s and i look at that every time and i think your butt had to hurt so much can you imagine crossing the country in one of those things your back and your butt. We live in a world where you don't have to worry about any of that. I have a hard enough time with my own back. I'm not riding around in a bumpy prairie all day on a wood board. That's why Americans have invented the X chair. Patented dynamic variable lumbar support. It's the greatest time in the history of mankind to be alive. I mean, let's not forget that. No matter what our problems are, still the greatest time to ever be a human uh, and especially here in America. It's patented dynamic variable lumbar support. The X-Chair has what you need for a comfortable work day. And thanks to X-Chair's 30-day no-questions-asked guarantee of satisfaction, you have zero risk. X-Chair, on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com, xchairbeck.com. Or call them now at 844-4X-Chair, 844 for X-Chair. Xchairbeck.com. We pause for 10 seconds. Station ID. All right. Now, literally every time the printing press... Uh, has been used as a means for government to pay the expenses and they just print money, it always fails. So modern monetary theory has nothing to do with money. This is really important. It has everything to do with currency, nothing to do with money. This is one of the logical fallacies of MMT. It's the belief that governments can create money. They cannot. They can print currency. Now, AOC, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, all of them, they, I think maybe it's time we let them in a little secret that they don't teach on college campuses anymore. And I want you all to lean in real close. 
Okay, squad, are you there? Governments cannot create money. Governments create currency. Currency, a medium of exchange for financial transactions. Currency is an accounting unit standing in for real money. A unit of currency just represents something that has real value. That's what currency is. Instead of walking around with a bar of gold or a bar of silver in your pocket, you have one thin piece of paper. It'd be hard if we dealt in bars of gold. But that paper represents something. What is that? Well, a belief that there is actually something of value backing it up. If governments could create real money, that would be quite a magic trick. Wait a minute, isn't that what the alchemists were trying to do? Create real money? Create gold out of nothing? If we could create real wealth, none of us would ever have to work again. The problem is, is that wealth creation is a process of invention, risk, application of resources to generate something that has a market value. Wealth creation is entirely due to the effort, invention, sacrifice of the people. Governments are not a component of wealth creation. They actually are a wealth destroyer. Now, MMT assumes that all you need for wealth or value to exist is currency. Isn't that great? Tell the people, tell the people in Weimar, Germany that. Tell the, tell the, tell the people in, in Venezuela, you got plenty of money. Look at that. You got a trillion dollar note in your pocket. <laughs> Man. Now, if currency is made available, they believe, People will react to the currency by selling things, goods, services, land, and labor, to the government. But it's only true if the currency that they're provided with is exchangeable for real money, something of real value. Currency only has value as long as people believe it can be exchanged for something of real value. The moment that changes, the moment the people are like, this isn't worth anything, Currency instantaneously stops being a representative of money. So modern monetary theory is not a theory because a theory is an unproven idea against which a process of experience uh, or experiments can test that hypothesis to provide empirical data which prove or disprove the theory. Once the theory's been tested and it's reliably proven or disproven, well, then it's not a theory. It becomes a scientific or mathematical law. That fits this perfectly. Dozens of countries, hyperinflation. This isn't a modern monetary theory. It's an antiquated currency law. Life is so busy sometimes between family and your career. Who has time to, you know, really do all of the hard work and heavy lifting uh, when you have to find a great real estate agent? How do you do it? How do you have you interviewed the real estate agents? What do you ask them? How do you know they're good? Not all real estate agents are cut from the same cloth. And I can tell you that 
because this this company was built out of frustration between myself and my uh, and my wife. We were so fed up with the process that we decided we, there's got to be a better way. And through, uh, you know, doing work with other things, I happen to find myself in a group of the 500 best real estate agents, according to the um, Wall Street Journal in the country. And I started asking them, okay, wh- what makes you better than the next guy? Well, I found out there are s- a few really simple things. So we put real estate agents to the test all around the country. We looked for those things. We've put together a list of somebody that can help you sell or buy your new home at realestateagentsitrust.com. The best in the country, realestateagentsitrust.com. Christmas Stories with Glenn Beck. It's almost sold out in Salt Lake City, December 7th at Kingsbury Hall. Just print up some money and get your tickets today. I, I want to talk to you today about um, what you're hearing from the candidates so you can truly understand they are serious about adding $70 trillion of debt or spending to our bottom line over the next 10 years. $70 trillion. They are also serious about changing our country fundamentally. Our, our Bill of Rights are the things that the government cannot do. They want the things that the government must do for everyone. Free housing, guaranteed jobs, uh, guaranteed uh, access to X, Y, and Z, free college, all of these things. Well, that costs money. So how are they going to pay for it? Well, the first thing they're going to do is get rid of this evil capitalist system, and then they're going to start taxing people. Okay, well, I, I just want you to know that's not going to be a smooth transition. You start moving away from the free market, which Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they're all saying it. You start moving away from a free market, I mean in s- significant ways, under the guise of global warming, the entire world is going to go down. Now it might reset because it's going to be so great when we just when we just are taxing everybody and everybody's working as one. It's such a utopian idea. It's going to work this time. It will be different. But what do they do? Because you can't raise enough tax money to pay for the seventy million. Thus, the modern monetary theory. The theory is you governments don't have to raise taxes. They don't. All they have to do is print money. And it's really, really simple. You do that and everything is great. Why even go to the people for taxes? Man, why didn't we think of this? Why didn't we think of this before? So I've been going over it. Now, let me just give you one final nail in the coffin of MMT, or as I like to call it, antiquated currency law, because this is a law. You, 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 it's not a theory. We've tried this. The world's tried this over and over again, beginning with the Chinese in ancient China. It doesn't work. It never works. But the final nail should be that it completely disconnects government spending from the will of the people. Nobody likes taxes, but taxes provide a check against a runaway government spending, 
and what they're spending it on. If they don't have to come to you, do you think we're gonna have a, they're going to have a problem funding things that you don't want? Now, that's the last failure, the logical fallacy that MMT advocates. In, a, in, a notion of, uh, in their notion of things, runaway inflation can be mitigated because if inflation starts to get out of control, the government can reduce government currency spending and or raise taxes to remove currency from the circulation, thereby fighting inflation. It is... It is not a surprise that it is academics who came up with this because academics have absolutely no connection to the real world. Their idea is that if printing trillions of dollars in new currency to pay for health care, abortions, the Green New Deal, guaranteed jobs, guaranteed houses, free education results in inflation, well, the government will just stop paying for those social programs and raise taxes. In what kind of bizarro fantasy alternate universe world do these people live in? Ivory Tower crackpots like this are the ones who gave us postmodernist ideas like gender fluidity and toxic masculinity syndrome. But in the real world, politicians do not stop paying for social programs. Why? Because they're human beings who want to stay in power. They definitely don't cut those services while raising taxes. That's the reason why there are no instances of MMT actually working in the real world. You don't have to live in a theoretical laboratory where human politicians are replaced by robots and voters completely understand why their health care gets cut off. It's also the reason why academics should never be involved in real-world policymaking. The founders of our nation, they knew this. They were lawyers, they were farmers, they were preachers, preachers, they were soldiers, they were inventors, they were merchants. They'd seen the hyperinflation in France in the 18th century, which is why fiat paper currency is strictly prohibited in the Constitution. Money, not currency, money was legally defined as being gold or silver. And this modern monetary theory, or sorry, the antiquated currency law, is among the more obvious, asinine, and foolhardy ideas to be resurrected in a long, long time. The Germans called it emergency spending. In France, it was called royal checks. In the Confederate States, it was called independence notes. Today, it's called quantitative easing. Fortunately, we're living in a time where a wave of socialism is looking for ways to pay over $70 trillion in new social and environmental programs promised by politicians running against Trump in 2020. We're so fortunate because maybe, just maybe, we're going to be able to be the ones to prove MMT wrong again. It's a terrible idea but one looking for politicians stupid and desperate enough to put it in place against a spending plan that requires unlimited funds. They're going to do it. Unless you're informed, you know what's coming. You know what, how really this system works. You know, as we explained on Tuesday, how much the world is relying on us because this isn't working anywhere else 
but here. And it's barely working here. But the rest of these countries all over the world are invested in our stock market and in our treasury bonds. If we screw around with our economy and we fundamentally change things in our economy, I warn you, the world will be plunged into darkness. And may God save us from our own stupidity. Somewhere right now, maybe in your neighborhood, there's a burglar. He's a man of fine taste, this burglar. He wouldn't mind helping himself to your television or your laptop. Oh, that Xbox you bought for your kid at Christmas before she decided what she really wanted was a PlayStation. Oh, that is perfect. All that sweet cash you have so cleverly hidden behind the portrait of your aunt on the wall. Yes, yes, that's going to be the first thing he finds. He knows as well as you do that most successful burglaries take about 15 minutes start to finish. And he'll take those odds. Unless, of course, he sees that you have a Simply Safe system in place and turned on. For $15 a month with no contract or hidden fees and no fine print, Simply Safe provides the round the clock monitoring with state of the art equipment that should scare our burglar friend away for good. But if he decides to break in, other houses that uh, will immediately dial police have police responding within 45 minutes. But because Simply Safe has video verification technology, when this alarm is tripped, they know it's not a false alarm, and they cut that time to seven minutes. Simply Safe, huge deal going on right now. SimplySafeBeck.com. Get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a hundred dollar value. Get your free HD security camera now at SimplySafeBeck.com. That's S I M P L I Safe. Beck.com. Simply safe Beck.com. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Stu, can, do you have any idea what Boris Johnson did yesterday? I, I don't <laughs> follow the, the, uh, I don't understand the parliamentary system at all. I, I think what happens is they have a queen she says, oh, yes, you need to form a government. And then all these people get together in a room. They yell at each other for a while. Mm-hmm. The one that can either yell the loudest or stand the the yelling the longest becomes prime minister. Exactly. And he's like, who wants to yell on my side now? Mm-hmm. It's as right? if you're reading directly from their constitution. As you constitution, that. That's okay. exactly so that's, how that's, it works. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my basic American understanding of this. Yesterday, he said that he is going to the Queen to ask her to disband Parliament for a while. Yeah, I mean, this happens a lot in parliamentary systems, and I don't, I don't, I don't like the system as we've discussed before. I think America yeah. came up with a like we have our issues, but it seems yeah. like things. But have the been president out just well. can't go. You know what? We're closing Congress down. I'm tired of listening to them whine. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of a pop quiz. Like you walk in and they're like, a pop election. And all of a sudden, everyone has to go back to the polls and come up with a whole new government. Um, so right. Ba- but he's not. He's saying that he's not going for another election. He said there won't be another popular vote. Which is amazing. He just wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He just wants to uh, shut down parliament for a while 
uh, because they're obstructing the people's will uh, to get out of uh, of um, the EU. Right, and you and see, he said they're just yeah. And you see all ahead. these things sort of happen in our system as well when there's you know politicians will use these sort of weird you know little mechanisms to try to get a larger thing done it seems like the the larger thing boris johnson is trying to get done is there's this october 31st deadline for for the hard brexit and he believes i think correctly that the government is going to try to do everything they can before that deadline to erase it so he's using his parliamentary uh, maneuvers to attempt to essentially put a gap in there where they can't do anything about it uh giving uh, and it's, it's, it's totally constitutional chance. for them oh yeah yeah this I, is totally constant and it has then been done before mm-hmm. yeah so uh, he's just it trying just to honor weird. what the actual <laughs> people of the country said they wanted to do legally and everyone else right. that seems you know hell-bent on making sure you know they they let the people know that they know better than them and the government knows better that they don't understand what they've done and we're going to fix it for you. Give us more time to fix it for you. And Boris Johnson is just saying, look, you guys voted for this. This is what you wanted. This is what we all talked about. We all knew this was part of the, the possibility of this happening. And, you know, if we keep backing up, we're, you know, backing up and backing up and backing up. We're never going to get a better deal from the EU. So, uh, you know, it may very well be a hard Brexit, but that is something that was known to be a risk when this vote occurred and will not be as horrific as everyone makes it out to be, as it never is. Wow. Um, Coming up, we have uh, the story of the woman who was dumped uh, for Elon Omar. Her husband left her for Elon Omar. It's an amazing story. If we have time, I've got to get to the Palestinian story. Yesterday, this came out, I think, like at 7.30 last night, and uh, all kinds of alerts go off on my uh, on my tablet, and I'm like, what, what's happening? Oh, it's just that the State Department has erased the Palestinian Authority and Palestinian territories from all of our official documents and, I, I guess, maps or whatever. I don't know, <laughs> but they've they've just taken all of that stuff off. And uh, that's kind of creating some concern with the people who are, you know, with the Palestinians. <laughs> They're like, wait, what What just happened? State Department immediately issued, said, no, no, this is not a change in our position. Well, you're not recognizing the Palestinian Authority at all. You're not recognizing Palestinian territory. Uh, that seems like a change in position because everybody else has been doing that. And uh, we're going to look into that and what that means. That I mean, that's one ballsy move, one real ballsy move. And it, it, speculation is, is that they have, uh, you know, they, we, we keep asking them to come to, to the table and do a two-state solution, and they never, ever do it. I mean, Israel offered them a few years ago, Absolutely everything that they say they were asking for and their own sovereignty. Okay, two-state solution. No, they don't want that. They want a one-state solution. And they, You know, in their charter, they talk about Mm -hmm. that this will only happen when we destroy Israel. Well, then, okay, then you're not dealing honestly, so we're not going to, we're not, we're going to call it what it is. And they, it's not your territory. They want this talking point, too, right? They want this victim 
status. They want it to exist forever. I mean, it's a very disingenuous ask, and it always is. It's the same thing that happened when they said, you know what? What we need here is that we need Donald Trump to come out and denounce white nationalism. Uh, we need him to do that after the shootings uh, in El Paso. Mm-hmm. And so the next day he's out there because well, he's did. I mean, look, he's denounced white nationalism several times. He comes out and does it again. And then it's like, well, first of all, too late, too little. And and next, I mean, look at all the other stuff he hasn't done. How come he hasn't done anything on guns? How come he hasn't done anything on this? How come? There was never a moment in which they cared if he actually came out and denounced white nationalism. That, that wasn't part of it. It was just, what is the next thing we can beg for him to do? If he does it, we'll just mm-hmm. act like we never asked for it. And it would just, mm-hmm. we'll just act as if it was nothing. We'll just move mm-hmm. on to our next complaint, move the goalpost a little bit further. And this is just a strategy that has been well-defined by the Palestinian Authority over a very long period of time. I also have a, uh, a monologue on the opioid crisis and... The Don Draper of the opioid crisis, the history of of uh, OxyContin, it, it's pretty phenomenal when you when you learn the history of it. Which, by the way, uh, you know, came from Germany, where all good scientific things come from. Uh, Germany around the uh, around the time of the uh, Weimar Republic, so nothing weird was going on there, you know, eugenics or anything else. Uh, and it is, it, for some, it is a life-saving drug. Others, it is scourge of the earth. And people who are truly suffering uh, from pain that they just can't live with, they're the ones that are going to pay the price for this. We have that coming up if, if, if we have time. We just, it's Sophie's Choice today. Which story gets on the show? One of those three, for sure, when we come back. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Uh, It is the last hour, and we've got a great hour lined up for you. We're going to start with Elon Omar in just a second. I want to tell you about um, Relief Factor. Relief Factor really plays a a role. When I'm here at the ranch, um, we're up at about 7,000 feet. And um, and I have a problem with altitude. That's why it's hard for me to fly and everything else. Um, it causes great pain for me. It has totally changed my life. You can you know how I'm feeling by the amount of time I spend at the ranch. There was like two years ago, I said to my wife, I think we're going to have to sell it. I don't know if I can go up into the mountains anymore. The relief factor has changed my life. If you have pain that is debilitating, please just try it. You'll you'll be out 20 bucks if it doesn't work, but that is the best 20 bucks you could possibly ever spend because if it does work, your life comes back. Relieffactor.com, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. It's relieffactor.com.
Ilan Omar. Ilan Omar. Ilan Omar. Why, my husband was sleeping with the harlot from Minnesota. Why, I just never seen anything like it. My husband was being paid lots of money. I don't know if it's for his performance, because he is rather robust in bed. But he professed his love for Elon Omar. That story and what's behind it in one minute. Alan Omar. All right. Been talking to you a lot about the American economy the last uh, couple of days. Right now, things are still pretty good. Hopefully, they stay that way for a while. A recession is coming at some point, and possible catastrophic disaster is around the corner. But breathe deeply. For the moment, things are okay. Interest, uh, mortgage interest, uh, the rates are at an all-time low. If you are a homeowner, now is the time to consolidate your high-interest debt into a mortgage at a much lower rate. You could save hundreds, maybe even thousand, uh, $1,000 or more every single month. You really need to do the responsible things right now. And and I'll tell you, the people that I trust, in fact, they're doing this with me. I'm, I'm in the middle of doing this with AmericanFinancing.net. I've trusted them for a very long time. They customize the loan for you. So they find the right one for you to meet what you're trying to do. They'll advise you. In fact, they, they turn people down, um, not because they don't qualify for a loan, but because they want to do something that's they think irresponsible uh, and will lead them to trouble. And they'll say, you'll have a perfectly fine time getting that loan from someplace else. We don't do that for our customers. We try to make sure that it is really responsible people um, that, are, that they're serving. So they listen to you, they learn your goals, and they help. It's AmericanFinancing.net. AmericanFinancing.net. You owe it to yourself and the future to call them now. 10-minute phone call will answer a lot of your questions and get the ball rolling. 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So divorce papers have now been follow, uh, been filed in Washington, D.C., and uh, the wife and mom says her political consultant husband left her for Representative Ilan Omar. She's a doctor. Um, she says her cheating spouse, Tim Minette, told her in April, I'm having an affair with a Somali-born U.S. representative. I'm not going to tell you who, but she's Somali-born. She's a U.S. representative. She's from Minnesota. And you probably can't figure it out. But uh, I love her. 
a lover. So he told her, and then he ditched her. What'd you say, Stu? <laughs> I like your the character. That is, I, I've never heard the person speak, and I kind of like the way you've made him uh, sound. I'm sure that's how he sounds. I Why mean, though? There's no real reason. You're, <laughs> it's got, he sounds like the guy who's saying Ilan Omar in the song, which I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know. If that's I'm coincidental. In I'm in love <laughs> with Ilan Omar. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, so anyway, so she's a physician. She's 55. Uh, he's 38. That has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. 55, I always wanted to, I, When I was a teenager, I said, I want to be married to a 55-year-old woman. Uh, so it's a dream come true, but uh, has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they have a 13-year-old son together, uh, and uh, uh, he works as a left-wing uh, Democratic supporter. He is. Uh, he works now for Omar. Oh yeah, I'm working for it. Uh, he works for Omar, and he also coincidentally worked for Keith Ellison, which is what a coincidence, you know? Seriously. So those are you know socialists run in packs, and they they pool the same resources. Uh, and if you're allegedly stealing money or allegedly doing something, you know, on the side, I don't know what you're talking about. I just love her. You have to get creative and you have to make connections without Chakabardi sank from the, uh, what's its uh, face? The young Turks, the young Turks, the uh, genocidal people that killed 1.8 million, uh, innocent, uh, citizens. It's what well, you no, want to the name organization after. named after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, without without uh, Chakabardi, Sank wouldn't have been able to co-found Justice Democrats, and without those two, AOC's boyfriend would have lost out on thousands. Wait a minute. Now there are two socialists that I've been keeping my eye on. You know, one of them is a squad member, Elon Omar, and the other one is the former congressman turned Minnesota Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison. It's kind of creepy, uh, the th- number of things they share, including, oh, yeah, including Omar's new squeeze. Well, I just don't know why you keep referring. He is a squeeze, though, isn't he? They've both represented the same district. They both had tax problems. They both had campaign finance problems. I know it's shocking that all these socialists are having tax problems and campaign finance violations because they hate that stuff. Um, We've covered Omar's tax and campaign finance problems at length, but it's curious how her predecessor, Keith Ellison, was busted for exactly the same problems. Well, I mean, Keith Ellison didn't marry his brother. That we know of. Anyway, when when Ellison was state representative, he was busted for having 25000 in unpaid taxes. Omar got nailed for filing joint taxes with a man that wasn't her husband, her brother. Ellison just didn't pay any. Omar was caught using campaign funds for personal use, but several years earlier, the attorney general now of Minnesota, the same state now that Elon Omar ran in, sued Ellison twice for campaign finance violations. They each apparently have the same love in their life. They love cheating the IRS. They, they love 
bending campaign finance laws, and they're both in love with the same man, Tim Minette. Elon Omar. Last week, the Daily Mail, uh, Daily Mail released the uh, video uh, of Omar, actually a couple of weeks ago, exiting the uh, restaurant in California with T- uh, Tim Minette. And they were talking about how they were, you know, oh, they were snuggling and they were rubbing noses like Eskimos. <gasps> Cultural appropriation. They were holding hands. They were acting like a couple. And it doesn't matter. I don't care about any of this. I don't care. If they want to, you know, they want to romp like little bunnies, let them. I don't care. What I do care is the smoke is covering what I think is the real fire, and it isn't the fire love. Minette has a work history that shows he's a current partner at a progressive strategies company called East Street Group. Now, what do they do? Well, I don't know. If you go and look up Progressive Strategies and E Street Group, you're going to come to a website that has a single page that tells you nothing. It doesn't even have a contact. It, there's no way. It, it doesn't have an email address or a phone number. Nothing. It just says accepting new clients by referral only. So in other words, you got to know a guy because I know a guy. You know a guy? I know a guy. He can put you in touch with these guys, Okay. So I don't think he's worried too much about advertising, uh, you know, for new clients because he has hit the mother load with Alan Omar. Since Alan's already been dinged for campaign finance violations, we decided to check out the FEC records to find out if there was any unusual activity between Omar and Minette. Well, Omar's campaign has dished out over a quarter of a million dollars over the past 12 months to her new alleged boyfriend. Right. I mean, you think I like chicks from Somalia? No, she's got cash. Uh-huh. Now, here's the weird thing. I mean, if that wasn't weird enough. He he gets paid in multiple five-figure payments every single month. If you look at February of this last year, $12,000, they wrote a check to him on the 7th, 15000 on the 19th, 24000 on the 21st. And the payments include everything from absolutely not vague at all descriptions of consulting to travel expenses. $24,000, where, where are we going, the moon? Now... <clears throat> You know, maybe my internal clock is a little messed up, but but isn't the 2018 election over? What should what could she possibly be getting from this guy? You don't want to know. What could she possibly be getting from this guy where she's writing $250,000 checks? How's that possible? Now, this year, Elon Omar raised about 1.4 million. That means out of everything that she has raised, she's given him a quarter of everything. 
usually, you know, you'll get a bonus or you'll get paid a percentage, but it's not 25%. I could see giving him, you know, that kind of money if, you know, he helped raise $10 million. But 1.4, the math doesn't end up, uh, doesn't add up. And this kind of spending is unusual for congressmen, especially freshman congressmen. If you look at Dan Crenshaw, his FEC filings, he hasn't spent more than $1,600 for a single payment the entire year. There is one entry for fundraising consulting. He wrote a check for $130. $130. Omar spent a quarter of a million to one guy. I'm going to go out on a limb and say... Something's weird. I mean, that's a lot of exotic oils, or I don't know. I'm just saying. Quarter of a million dollars. Now, before Minette met Omar, he was employed by Keith Ellison. This is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee uh, labeling Minette as Ellison's main point of contact and his national finance director. Now, it's really weird that Minot, when you look at his resume, doesn't reference Ellison at all. You look at his LinkedIn page. No, not Keith Ellison. No, I, I have no idea. Hmm? What? He was also, while he was the campaign finance director for Ellison, he was also the head of his own company, the Minot Group. And like Elon Omar... Ellison pays this guy a lot. Tim Minette was Ellison's third highest paid expenditure over the past two years, $174,000 in 2018. This seems like a a racket. His FEC filings look identical to Elon Omar's $9,000 payments every month, going all the way back to 2015. In 2014, Ellison paid Minot $92,000, and this was during the same period when Minette was working uh, working on Ellison's staff. So is there a racket going on here with with fundraising consulting? Is this big business? And if it is a racket, what's going on? There's a lot of money that is changing hands. And this money, they've tried to hide. This money, they put in these, um, in these, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them, Stu, those front, you know, the packs. The money came from a pack. So you give your money and you're like, I want to give Elon Omar money. And then you're like, I want to give her even more, but the law won't let me, so I'm going to give it to a PAC. That PAC, strangely, is the one that is paying his salary. He works directly for the congresswoman. How's that working? Something is wrong with Elon Omar. Something is wrong with Keith Ellison. And Tim Minot... Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, he might be okay in bed. I don't know. But that's not what's causing this love affair. There's something 
deeper. Oh, deeper, deeper. Well, we will go there. Deeper into their love affair to find out what's going on. I want to tell you about a guy in our audience. His name is Bill. He's a farmer. He was a, a member of that hallowed staple of American industry for over 40 years. And he would go up in the morning, and he wouldn't come back until sundown. And it really made him happy. As he likes to tell people, he figured on farming uh, that he was going to be out there with the soil until the, the day he died. But somewhere along the line, the pain began to set in. His knees, his wrists, mostly, some days, he just hurt all over. And the time came when he thought, I'm going to have to kiss my life goodbye. I love farming. I don't know why these guys do, but they do. They love it. Then Bill heard about Relief Factor, and he decided, I'm going to spend the 20 bucks and see if it works. Because if not, I got I to gotta get out of farming. After only a couple of weeks, Bill was back in the saddle, both literally and figuratively. It changes people's lives. It has mine. Relief Factor is a great way to reduce the inflammation that causes pain. It works for 70% of those people who try it. Relief Factor is not a drug. For $19.95, you can get a three-week quick start. Now, that's not a lot uh, to see just if you can improve the quality of your life, because if it works... You get your life back. If you want a drug-free, natural way to ease your pain, to get your life back, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. We pause for 10 seconds, Station ID. My husband was taken by a hussy. <laughs> and then you're, what was the voice of the guy who? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not your trained little boy. No, I, I, I suppose I don't perform not. when you throw me a peanut. <laughs> I don't do it. Um, well, uh, yeah. Are you interested in hearing the new update to the Biden gaffe montage, which continually oh, I expands am. I am. I am. at a I rate am. even faster than you and I? Uh, this yes. is a... <laughs> and that is saying something, because... <laughs> My waistline <laughs> is expanding like crazy. Do we have enough time for this, or do we make sure we just play a short clip here? Uh, can we get a ruling from the time? Yeah. All right, let's do the Biden gaffe montage here. Here we go. And the other thing we should do is we should challenge these students. We should challenge students in these schools to have advanced placement programs in these schools. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids, black kids. But think how we think about it. We choose unity over division. Mm -hmm. We choose science over fiction. What else? We choose truth over facts. Oh, no. And so, folks, uh -oh. if you're interested, join me. I could use the help because we <laughs> must, must defeat this president to change the trajectory of this country. When the kids from Parkland marched up to, and I, 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 I met with them, and then they went off to up on the hill when I was vice president, they went off the hill to go into those neighborhoods. All those congressmen were like, no, I'm not here. I'm not here. I, I'm not Just like in my generation, when I got out of school, that uh, when Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King had been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late uh, 70s, 
and I got engaged. My long friend, time friend, and she's a friend. She's been my friend in and out of public life. You know, there were 40 kids shot in Kent State on a beautiful lawn. Oh, that's a lot. We should set up a system, which I propose, which I will put if I'm elected president, okay. that allows the folks, at HH, the, the, the folks at Health and the, uh, the, the Health Department yep. okay, in, the, in health the United department. States, uh-huh. HHS. Right. Huh? That's the latest. The last. This is there. We're adding like two of these a day. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. All of those, by the way, are just from the last few weeks on the campaign trail. Yeah. We made sure to not include, you know, the old school stuff that, you know, oh, so well, it's getting to the point that where I think, you know, Biden is a was has always been sort of a fun gaffe machine. And some of these just are starting to get sad. Like they're they're right. They're they're really they're making you feel. I never said this about. With his gaffe machine, I just always thought he's just unhinged. It's starting when he's like, H, yeah, yeah, health department. He just, he's sounding sad, confused, and it's, it's kind of hard to watch. More in a minute. I mean, not that hard because it's funny, but. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We've all heard the phrase, the rising tide lifts all boats. Well, in the financial world, throughout history, even to this day, that rising tide is represented by gold. Gold is a great protection against inflation. It is a solid investment that you can sink your teeth into. Pardon the pardon the pun. I, I, I like to use the example of a suit to explain money uh, as gold and currency as something made up if you were to buy a nice suit in the 1880s you might pay 20 bucks where today you walk into a store and you gotta dish out a thousand bucks but a thousand dollars worth of gold in 1888 is the same as a thousand dollars worth of gold today so you could walk in with a 20 dollar gold piece and you could buy a suit you can walk in with a 20 dollar gold piece today and buy a giorgio armani it's on a bull run this year. Please batten down the hatches. Consider gold. Call them now. They're waiting for your call at 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Read their important risk information. 866-GOLDLINE. And join Glenn this Christmas for a special one-night event in Salt Lake City, December 7th. Christmas Stories with Glenn Beck. Get your tickets at glennbeck.com. Hey, welcome to it. We're uh, we're glad you're here. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, mystery of the space drone. I think we're going to have to move the, the State Department removing all mention of Palestinian authority and Palestinian uh, uh, occupied lands um, probably for tomorrow because I want to first start with what's happening in the polls. It's really interesting what's going on. Today's the last day to qualify to be able to be in the Democratic uh, the next Democratic debate, and you have to have 130,000 uh, individual donations, and you also have to have at least 2% in the polls. But they're picking and choosing which polls, which is kind of interesting. Did you know in advance, Stu? Did they, were they told in advance which polls they had to be good in? It does seem like, you know, they did give you a list of the polls. However, the list is bizarre, and... The person who's making the biggest stink about this is Tulsi Gabbard, and she has a really good argument on this. Uh, basically, 
the way that they have done this is 130,000 individual donors. So it has to be individual donors. And 14, mm-hmm. 13 candidates have hit that threshold. Um, the, all the big ones. And then it's kind of the smaller ones, like um, Marianne Williamson has hit that. Uh, Tom Steyer, the billionaire who spent a lot of money to get those donations. Tulsi Gabbard, you know, and people like Andrew Yang and Castro and Klobuchar and, and O'Rourke have all hit that. So they've hit that. You have to hit both, uh, clear both hurdles, though. The other one is four polls at 2% or more in either national or early states and they have to be among the approved list of the democrats so gabbard has hit as their campaign says they have hit two percent in 26 different polls in this time period however only two of them have counted so they Mm. now 26 is a big number they're throwing out there However, they have some real. Some of them are like internet polls, not like uh, unscientific internet internet polls. But there's yeah, you know, yeah, panel yeah. polls, and sometimes they they wouldn't be included for good reasons. But there right. have been two polls that she got two percent in. Um, one was uh, the Boston Globe poll, which is the newspaper with the largest uh, distribution in New Hampshire, one of the early states, and uh, the Post and Courier, which is the largest distribution of a newspaper in South Carolina, another one of the early states. Both of those polls, for unknown reasons, are just not okay with the Democratic Party. She hit 2% in both of those polls and would qualify if it was not for this weird restriction. There's other. I don't think that they... I'm not saying that they're changing them to, you know, get people out intentionally targeting people, because I don't know. But they don't want her. They don't. You know, the Democrats, they do not want her. I think that's true. I don't think they did it intentionally. I think it's just, it, mm-hmm. it is incompetence. They couldn't have known she was going to hit it in these polls. It's Correct. just an obvious problem in that she was, she's polled well enough in all these other places. Um, and, you know, like, for example, there are, YouGov is a polling uh, outfit that does polls in conjunction with various different uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, one mm-hmm. of the YouGov polls is included and counts as a qualifying poll. However, YouGov does polls in conjunction with the economist a well-respected publication there's no reason that the poll would be any lower quality well Mm -hmm. uh those polls don't count and gabbard has hit two percent in two polls done by yougov slash economist but yougov the other yougov poll that is included she didn't get two percent so it was not included so it's really been i mean look it's an imperfect process at some level it's hard to do but uh, they have not done a good job as you would expect uh, I, I will tell you this. Tulsi Gabbard is probably mm, maybe one. I don't know how many of them I would actually trust, but she's at least one that I, uh, she, you know, we could we could elect her. I wouldn't vote for her, but if 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 she was elected, I would be like, OK, well, she doesn't hate the country and she's not crazy. Some of her policies are crazy, mm-hmm. but, you know, she loves the country. She was in the military. She doesn't she doesn't believe everything about this country is bad. That's that's something that's rare in the Democratic Party. It is very you rare. Uh, and, and to this and, point, you know, as she's needed these polls to qualify for these debates, she's been on you know, back serving the country again and not campaigning. I know. Which is pretty it remarkable. It actually made me really like her. Yeah. When she went back to serve for two weeks, she had to do a two-week tour duty. And I thought, I like that. She didn't try to get out of it. She, you know, I don't think that appeals to the Democrats. 
No. But it, it it speaks volumes about her character, yeah, which I, think I really like. The two that are most popular among conservatives uh, in the Democratic field are probably Gabbard and Yang. Uh, they I both like have, Yang, too. Yeah, they both have sort of different views, I would say, than the, the typical uh, Democrat, though views that are way outside what I would be comfortable voting for or even coming close to it. Uh, oh, but, my gosh. No, but I wouldn't. I, I would I would at least have some hope that we weren't going to be destroyed by some theory from 1930. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, you know, Yang is smart enough to be looking forward, uh, and uh, and everybody else is just like, well, I don't know what's wrong with Stalin. Right. Um. <laughs> uh, another part of this, Glenn, it, it, Tom Steyer, who is a billionaire, spent all this money trying to get the president impeached built a giant email list, then decided to run for president. He spent millions of dollars in ads in early states, figuring he can hit, he can affect the polls most in these smaller states, uh, bigger bang for the buck. And he can get, as long as he gets over 2% uh, in the polls, in these early state polls, he can qualify for the debate. The problem is they just haven't released enough of these early state polls. So he hit three polls very early, but has not been able to get this fourth poll. And unless a surprise one comes out before the end of the night, he's not going to get in. And part of this problem here is that if you're going to say polling is an issue, if you're going to make polling one of the qualifying aspects to get into the Democratic primary, there has to be polls in these early states. Like Nevada is the third state that is going to be voting, and there has basically been no good polling that has come out of the state in months. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to make polling one of the qualifiers, you either have to... uh, you know get your own polls you have to go out there and actually start your own poll and and pay for it so that these polls come out or you have to uh include more of these polls you have to say some more are qualifying um, because it really does wind up screwing these candidates at the bottom the big takeaway though from all of this is that it looks like unless something changes at the very last minute that there will be there will only be one debate there will not be the two-night thing that we've seen so far. There will be one it's debate. good for Democrats. Ten candidates. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm torn on that one. Again, I don't really care what's good for Democrats. But also, um, the other part of it is, I think a, a debate that was split between 11 candidates over two nights, you might actually get a little bit more out of. Like, you have a candidate. If you have uh, yeah, five, I guess you're right. I guess, yeah, I guess you're right on that. Yeah, ten you're right on that. candidates is too many for one debate. Um, five in, on one night, six on another you might actually get a little bit of substance out of these people instead mm-hmm. of just constant, uh, you know, mm-hmm. b- bumper stickers. But then again, I mean, you know, the, very few of them seem to have the ability to talk at any length on these topics. They they do seem to be bumper sticker generators. Uh, you know, what's interesting is 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 Tom's uh, Steyer. what's his name? Uh, Sire. He is he's more detrimental uh, than the Koch brothers were. Um, he's just not known. He's as big, if not bigger, currently than than Soros, isn't he? On uh, Democratic yeah, funding, yeah, he probably is. I mean, again, the Koch brothers, I think, did a lot of really good things too, and one of them just passed away. No, I know that, but I, yeah, I mean, you know, the Koch brothers were the e- you know the, the yeah. most evil presented of as evil, right, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they were they were funding people on the left as well. They were not conservatives. They aren't conservatives. No. Um, and yet they were booed when, you know, David died uh, and people cheered for uh, for his death. Mm. And, you know, you don't even know the name Tom Steyer. 
Yeah. You know, I, most people don't even know. He is as big as Soros. It's unfortunate for Tom because he really wants people to know his name now. Uh, he's running for president of the United yeah. States, so you need to have some recognition. Yeah. He dumped a lot of money. I mean, it, you know, I, I would assume that no uh, one in this audience uh, put themselves through the torture of ever turning on MSNBC, but unfortunately it's part of our job. And if you go, you watch MSNBC for 10 minutes, you'd see uh, at least one or two commercials from Tom Steyer saying it's time to impeach the president. The guy spent, ten, you know, millions of dollars. He says he's going to spend $100 million of his own money in this campaign to try to win it. Mm-hmm. He has shown up at 3 and 4% in some of these polls. And because of all of his money, you have to take him seriously, though I don't know if there's really any. Uh, he's over if he's not in this one right no i and this is one of the weird things and you'll see this play out i think this debate entry is probably the least important of all of them and the reason for that is the um the third and fourth debate the the one that's coming up here in september and then one and i believe it's in october they have the exact same uh qualification standards so if you have 130,000 donations now you've already cleared the the next debate hurdle and also, the the polls that counted for this debate will also count for the next one. So if you are at three, like Tom Steyer is, he only needs one more before the next deadline to get to four. So likely there will be more people in the next debate, mm. not less. Uh, so you'll mm. have 10 in this one, most likely. You'll probably get to 12, 13, maybe even 14 mm. uh, for the next debate. And if you miss this one, but you're in the next one, I don't know how much that really hurts you. As long as you're in one of the two. If you're if you're at that point like Seth Moulton, who whose campaign we lost recently, Glenn, where you can't get we into any him. of the debates. Or Mike Gravel, yeah. whose campaign we also sadly, tragically we lost. Him lost. Too. And I mm. and it, I, we lost him before anybody knew who they were. I know, that's the saddest part. You know, Mike Gravel, sure his last day in government was the day Ronald Reagan was inaugurated. But why couldn't Say he? it again. Say it again. <laughs> his last day with a government job was the day Ronald Reagan was inaugurated. Uh, but yeah, sure, he should be running for was president. Was he 12 in <laughs> when he was... Uh... No, he's just 89 I mean, now. So 89 yes. years old. And he couldn't catch on. It, there's something... It's ageism. stunning, Glenn. I think it's ageism. The, the, I, I, you know what? I do. I, think that, and... I think that, you know, these Democrats are such ageists. I know. They only want someone you know? in their high 70s. They will not go into yeah. the 80s. And that's... <laughs> At least until, if unless Biden wins and then runs for re-election, then they'll be fine with the 80s. But as of right now, they have a, they have a strict line. I don't think that this is, the, I mean this sincerely, watching Joe Biden decay in public is yeah. sad. It's really, truly sad. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, I just don't think he's, I mean, you know, they're already saying, Donald Trump, we need to have a psychological evaluation. Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden, maybe not today, but he is decaying in front of our own eyes. And uh, that's something that we probably should, you know, every year just say, hey, uh, have you found yourself walking outside of the White House wondering who you were and why you're in this strange building? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, yes, (laughs) you see him. He looks tired often. That's something you never get yeah. from Donald Trump. Remember, Trump is in his 70s, too. It's not like Trump is you know, I know, 45. It's crazy. But he never seems like I, he's tired in public. Um, Biden, on the other hand, is, and he seems to be slipping, and his style is not conducive to the slipping. Like, if you picture, like, no. picture Barack Obama at 78 years old. He's a slow, deliberate speaker. 
Uh, he does a lot of speeches, is on prompter all the time. That person, as you slip a little bit, you can kind of get away with it for longer. Joe Biden's kind of an off-the-cuff guy. He speaks rapidly. His, he's always been gaff-prone, but this is more of like he's missing words and sentences. Mm-hmm. He's just can't, can't find. He can't remember things. I mean, yeah. it, it is sad, and, and I don't. I don't know if he's going to be able to pull it off. As soon as the re- Democrats say to themselves, "No longer is he the most electable," because we see him slipping, he's out. That's the problem. He'll he'll fall he's off out. a cliff if the Democrats decide yeah. that. Because I don't think they really like him. No. They ju- they'll tolerate him because he was an icon on the left for a while, but he's not the new left. No. Uh, and, and they just uh, think he can the win. The minute they think, yeah, the minute they think he can't win, uh, he's done. Mm-hmm. He's done. All right, back in just a second. Um, so what is as bad as having to constantly fluff your pillow throughout the night? Well, I can think of a, a few things. Um being hung as a you know a horse thief would be bad. Uh, living next to a nuclear power plant and a plane dry, flies into it, that would be bad. But other than that, really, you know, not much. Not much. It's the worst. Okay, being locked in a refrigerator in the Shining, uh, you know, hotel, that would also be freaky. But but having to fluff your pillow and having a hot pillow all night is the worst, except for those things. You can get great discounts now on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com, click on New Radio uh, Listeners Specials, and you're going to see some amazing offers on their pillows. They have the, uh, the Giza sheets, which are really, really soft. Uh, mattress toppers and so much more for example their body pillow right now is usually about 90 bucks but if you use the promo code beck it's only 29.99 remember all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty and even better if you pre-order a copy of mike's new book your entire order will ship for free Just go to MyPillow.com and click on New Radio Listener Specials. You'll get deep, deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow, for $29.99. So enter the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117. 800-966-3117. Again, MyPillow.com. Use the promo code BECK. Right after this uh, program, in about 10 minutes, I'm uh, going to be taking phone calls. I'm up uh, up at the ranch this week, and I just want to talk to you. I want to I want to hear from you on how are you feeling about Donald Trump? How are you feeling about the economy? Um, what do you think about the the next election? What what is what's what do, what are you and your friends experiencing right now? Where is the zeitgeist, if you will, of the the country? Um, are you feeling the recovery? Um, are you feeling uh, a recession in your own life? I'd like to hear from you. The number is 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Call us right now. I was taking phone calls here in you know about 10 minutes from now, and I really want to hear from you. 888-727-BECK. All phones next. Call us now. This is the Glenbeck Program.